you know that Keeley Companies is all about fostering the world-class culture through their incredible cultural pillars. Well, it was time to add a seventh cultural pillar, Keeley Green. Guided by the mission to raise the sustainability standards by which they design, build, operate, and live, Keeley Green is dedicated to using a holistic approach to leave a positive impact on our environment, create a future that is sustainable for generations to come. In the words of Rusty Keeley, we are just getting started. You can learn more about that just getting started mentality and all the work they do by visiting my friends at Keeley Companies online at KeeleyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. Jade Warshaw is on top of the world, and she's bringing up others with her. That's awesome news. But it wasn't always the case. Let me tell you more about that. At 23 years of age, Jade Warshaw and her husband found themselves recently married, still figuring out life together, and absolutely drowning in debt. Uh, John, how bad could it be, man? I mean, they're babies. They're 23. I know I hear you saying that on the air right now, but let me tell you this. They had amassed by that age, you ready for this? Almost $500,000 of debt between them. Between their student loans and their credit cards and the two cars that they could not afford in a small townhouse, these newlyweds were blissfully ignorant about just how massive this problem they were in was. By taking responsibility for their decisions and by using the guidance of legendary best-selling author, personal finance and retirement expert Dave Ramsey, my buddy, they were able to find financial freedom in seven and a half years, they were able to pay down $460,000 of debt in seven and a half years. They did so, by the way, if you're thinking, well, I bet they were making a lot of money. They started by making less than $40,000 a year collectively. Today, Jade's going to join us to share her journey of becoming debt-free, including the sacrifices they had to make, old habits they had to break, and the right next steps that they had to take in order to achieve financial peace. And some of you I know might be thinking, John, I've got my finances under control, brother. I'm doing all right. This conversation does not apply to me. But let me pause you right there. Today's episode ultimately is not about finances. It's not really about debt. This is really about taking ownership over your lives. It's about confronting those daunting, lurking problems that we oftentimes choose to ignore. Problems in our mental health, maybe, or personal wellness, our relationships, our marriages, our singleness, our kids, our parents, our addictions, our life. We'd rather just ignore some of those problems sometimes. But today is about taking inventory of what you've got, getting clear on what matters most, and then taking the next right step forward in your life. 
Our guest today is a strong voice for possibility. She's so strong, in fact, that Dave Ramsey himself has provided her a full-time job on his radio signal to empower his audiences around the world. And today, I've invited her to empower you in your world. My friends, I'm going to encourage you right now to buckle up, get ready to take some notes, get ready for a wild ride, get ready to be empowered as I bring on my newest friend, and she's about to be yours. Her name is Jade Warshaw. Jade, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. What's going on? Thanks for having me. This is a delight. I'm a huge fan of the work you do and the people you do that work with. For those who somehow may not have heard your name before today, if I happen to bump into you uh, at a restaurant or something like that, and you said, hey, my name's <laughs> Jade. And I said, Jade, tell me about you. How would you respond to that? Jade, tell me about you. Oh, you know, if you were just a stranger on the street, I'd probably say, I live in Nashville. And if they said, what do you do? I'd say, oh, I'm in finance. <laughs> I usually keep it pretty vague when I just run into people on the streets. Because... And then they say, so you're a financial advisor. And, and then I'll be you like, say... no, I'm more of a, a coach, a financial coach. And then they say, oh, cool. And then I'll be like, yeah, I help people get out of debt. And then that's usually where the conversation it either ends completely or right. it's like, really, you know, and they want to know a little bit more. This conversation you and I are about to have sounds so uh, like something that we don't want to talk about uh -huh. like debt and finance and get out of the, the, the chains. And yet that's exactly why I'm talking about it with someone who understands mm -hmm. what it feels like, but yeah. also someone who understands what it feels like to be liberated. So Absolutely. this, you've got a great story. I'm excited to unpack it. Uh, I know you didn't grow up in Nashville. So uh, tell our listeners where you grew up. So a little bit of everywhere, but I spent most of my time um, in South Florida. My husband and I, we got married one week after graduation, college graduation. And at the time we were actually living here in Nashville. And uh, right after we got married, about a year into marriage, we decided we wanted to move to South Florida. And so I spent the last 15 years in South Florida. And so it was really interesting when I got the opportunity to join up with Ramsey and move back here mm. to Nashville. So that's been really fun. Before you met Sam, you had some other pretty awesome influences. Can you spend just a couple of minutes talking about a couple big leaders of yours when you were growing up as a kid? Oh, big leaders of mine as a kid. That's a good question. I was big into music as a kid. I loved anything sports. I loved, so when I was a kid, you know, 90s, 80s, prime time for Michael Jordan, loved Michael Jordan, loved watching him play basketball. So I was big into that. And then of course, the music side of things. Uh, I'm a former vocalist and former musician myself. So I just immediately gravitated to female vocalists. I loved uh, Whitney Houston. I loved Tina Turner, Mariah Carey, all of them. So I was watching what they were doing. And that's what I was most interested in when I was a kid. Carried did you see yourself going down that path as a, as a little girl and then as a young woman? Did you imagine yourself being the next Whitney? Absolutely, I did. I either wanted to be the next Whitney Houston or somehow be the next Michael Jordan. <laughs> Maybe both. Maybe a, a little, dual threat. A little bit. And there for a while, you know, I played sports all through high school and played sports into college as well. And then, you know, all through that, I was doing music as well. And then in the end, I ended up a musician for the past until I came to Ramsey. I was a musician. So 
<laughs> you meet a lot of guys when you're doing music and doing sports and, and leading your life. Eventually, though, you meet a guy named Sam. Yeah. And I understand he's just like a prince of a guy. What was it about Sam that you fell for? Oh, man, so many things. I mean, he's a great guy. I would say with Sam, he was always different. He had a whole lot of confidence, a whole lot of swagger. And he was one of the first people that I met that was very entrepreneurial. And I was attracted to that because I hadn't been around that a whole lot. And so he was always saying, hey, Jade, you know, we can come up with our own ideas and we can start our own business. And like, that was the way he thought. And I thought that was so cool. And I mean, he's just fun and funny and, you know, all of the things that you look for in, in somebody. And um, yeah, we were just like magnets. I mean, we just went right to each other and we became yeah. friends instantly. You met relatively young. You got married relatively young. How, how old were you when you married? Oh gosh, uh, 23, 23 what? years old. Kids don't recognize, and 23 is a baby, man. I mean, you, you, I you just got out of the Pampers. So your Pampers are now <laughs> in the one door below what you're currently wearing. Your kids, you don't realize that you're bringing a lot to the table. It's no longer yeah. your life and your life separately. It is our life. So everything right. that formed your life is now one life, including the financial decisions one individual right. made or both individuals made separately. Now it's our decisions going forward. One of these for you is how you both looked at finances just as you look back on your life. So 23, 22, 21, leading into the marriage, what was your financial picture like? Oh, going in once, like once Sam and I got married, it was terrible. Um, you know, both of us had debt, both of us had student debt. He had a great portion of student loan debt. Um, and, you know, early on, we didn't really talk about that because I don't know, you're just trying to figure out how to do life together. And we'd had a couple of conversations about it and we had combined our money, but I was that woman that just thought, oh, my husband will take care of it. He'll look at everything. He'll make sure that everything's fine. And um, that doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work for long. And uh, I could tell that he would be stressed about money in certain situations. And so that's kind of what made me start asking more questions like, how much money are we actually earning? And how much debt do we actually have? When we started having those conversations, we were really able to see, wow, we have a big problem on our hands to the tune of almost half a million dollars of debt, John. <laughs> Most of it was student loans and it was a problem to say the least. A yeah, big problem. I just want people to hear that again because um, we've got a negative savings rate in our nation and in our families and in the majority of our listeners who check out the, the Live Inspired podcast. And yeah. That's one way to do life, and it's a popular way to do life, but there's a better way to do life, and it's the one we're talking about today. $460,000 in debt is what you had at, at what age? Oh, man, 23. And here's the thing. You know, I always say at 23, it wasn't quite 460, but by the time we paid it off because of interest, you know, your student loans, we had one student loan that started at, you know, eight, you know 63,000, and by the end, it's, you know almost a hundred thousand because you're paying these payments. And so by the end, it was 460,000 that was paid off because of that, that growth, which is unbelievable. He brought more of that debt to the table than you. He brought more student loan debt. Yeah, that's right. Um, my husband had about 230 of student loans and I had the rest totaling about 280. 
And then of course we both had cars that we couldn't afford. I brought the bulk of credit card debt, you know, 20,000. By the way, if, I, if I'm Ramsey right now, I stop you and I use my Southern drawl and I'm like, man, what were you, he better be a doctor. No. $30,000 in debt. And yet, <laughs> I know your husband, that's not what he chose. Musician. He's a musician. Yeah. And um, there are only so many Whitney Houston's to go around. And there are so many, only <laughs> so many folks that you've heard of. And this man's got $230,000 of student loan. Yeah. But he is wheelbarrowing into the marriage. My, my, my question then is life is hard in and of itself, and relationships are challenging. Then, when you've got this thing in the middle of every family table, $230,000 of debt plus yours plus everything else. How do you how do you not become vindictive and um, blame shifting? How do you not get mad at your husband all the time? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I, I blame a lot of this. It's almost hard to put into words because my husband and I, both of us came from backgrounds where when it came to family life and when it came to money, we wanted to do something totally different in our own life and in our own marriage. And so because of that, I think we both approached it very open-handedly. And it was like, Hey, we're determined to have a great marriage and a great life. And I think for me, there were just certain things that were not options. And one of them was uh, separating myself from him Mm. in that way. Does that make sense? Like, yes, I wanted to go towards him instead of doing things that would separate us and, and pull me away from him. And also there's that. And also I think there's a little bit of ignorance because when you're that young, you understand money, but sometimes you don't understand the value of it just yet. It's like, yeah, that's a lot of money. You don't understand just how much money it is and just how much work it'll take to pay off. Like there's a part of you that is just sort of ignorant to what those dollar amounts truly, truly feel like until you start digging in. So there's a little of that too, where it was like, oh, we can overcome anything, you know. I've heard from Sam that he used to blame the universities that gave him the loans and the government that made it so easy to access that money and the family that raised him and did not teach him the principles of money and the neighbor who said, you should go do this and that. And he, in other words, it was everybody else's fault. And he said his life and his marriage and ultimately our future began to change when he was able to look at the man in the mirror and say, and it's your responsibility to do better. How important is it in our lives to stare at that man or woman in the mirror and say, and it is your responsibility to do better? Yeah, I think it's everything. I think it's absolutely everything because that's our human nature. You know, I think human nature is, I have a problem. There must be some external source to blame for it, right? That's just the way of the world. That's how everybody acts. But the problem is, those things, those external things, the likelihood of those fixing whatever the problem is, is like slim to none, right? Mm. His mom's not going to fix the problem. The government's not going to fix the problem. You know, you're, you, you may not get what it is that you're hoping other people will do. You know, you want people to apologize for the way they acted. You don't know if they will. You want some sort of um, compensation for the hurt they've caused you, you don't know. You don't know if you'll get that. So ultimately, you know, we have to be responsible and we have to be the ones that go in and say, okay, whatever it is that I'm mad about, whatever it is that I'm complaining about, whatever it is that I think is a bad break, I've got to be the one to turn that bad break into a big break. And I've got to be the one to change my future. I say all the time, you can't blame your way to a better life. It just doesn't work. 
You can blame your way all day, but nothing's going to change until you start saying, okay, what behaviors am I going to take responsibility for? What part of this am I going to say, you know what? I had a, I had a hand in this, right? And even yeah. if the thing is, you know, John, sometimes people are to blame for things. Sometimes people do play a part in it, but that, you know, you can't wait around for that person to change it. They may not ever change it. <laughs> You've got to take responsibility for yourself. Early in my career as a real estate developer, I struggled sometimes going month to month with whatever it was, whether it's paying down your contractors or keeping the mortgage paid or a million different things that you're trying to balance in that line of work. <laughs> and occasionally I'd get the phone calls from a creditor. This thing is late. The, the, the house is late. The, the lights are going to be turned off. And man, it, it, it stirs pain in your soul when you get a phone call like that. And I've had a few, not a lot, but a few. And it, yeah. it breaks you. You had a lot. You were getting dozens a day and uh, it came to a head, as I understand it, on a car ride between you and Sam as the phone was ringing and ringing and ringing. And finally, you didn't answer the phone, but you answered an opportunity to do differently. <laughs> that day is a day that goes down in infamy <laughs> because up until that point, you know, we were making some changes and we were trying to do as much as we could. You hit this point where it's like, this is where the rubber meets the road. What are we going to do? And I remember for me, I, if I could have, it was, I would have given anything to be able to pay just two more, 200 more dollars, right. On these credit cards to just shut them up. But I had nothing left to sell. I had nothing left to, you know, I had exhausted everything. And it was just like, I remember driving down the road and my phone rang and I looked at it. And when I saw 1-800-PAY-ME, which is what I used to call them, I, I just went through the roof. John. I was like, pull the car over, pull it over. And we need, we just need to talk about this because up until that point, it was like, okay, we're working this plan. We're doing what yeah. we can do. And it was like, what, what are we doing here? What's the plan? What's the why? What's the goal? What's the motivation? What more can we do? Because there's always something more we can do. And man, we just sat in the parking lot, really coming to, to, to grips with everything that was happening. A lot of tears in that, in that moment. Yeah. I think about it now. It's very visceral for me. I, I remember it was super hot that day in South Florida and, you know, we were in my Jeep Liberty and it was an old car. And, you know, when it's just barely working to, to spit out, just like that, that just barely lukewarm air. It's yes. just like, it's almost insulting. Hot, yes. It's insulting. <laughs> and I remember sitting in the car and I was hot and it's like, I'm already sweating and I'm crying. It was just a bad deal in the moment. But now I look back on it and I go, oh man, so necessary, so necessary. So you pull the car over, you don't answer your phone, but you and your husband have a, this do or die moment. Yeah. And you begin doing. There, there are many of our listeners who aren't maybe weighed down by $460,000 as 23-year-olds of debt. But many of our listeners aren't where they want to be. They, they haven't moved forward. And maybe it's financial or relational or in their physical life. In your situation with this debt, what what did you begin doing? How do you how do you even begin chomping into four hundred and sixty of debt? Yeah, you know, depending on where you're at, there's a couple of different starting blocks. So, like I said before, we'd gotten to that moment. We had started, and for us, you know, starting off, our income was so low compared to the debt we had. Our income was like thirty thousand dollars, and so for us, just ground zero was, hey, we've got to figure out a way to just exist without taking on more debt. And for a lot of people, 
that's where they need to start. The starting point is, hey, you got to draw a line in the sand, right? And decide, I'm just not going to borrow money anymore. Because if debt is the problem, I always say you can't solve a problem while simultaneously creating it. So if you're creating this problem of debt, you're never going to get out. So you got to draw that line in the sand and stop immediately. And we had done that for the most part. We had not yet totally given up with credit cards yet. So I always say, you got to stop. Like you can't, you know, Dave would say ish, you know, people do things ish. And so I tell people all the time, I'm like, ish does not work. You've got to go all in, draw that line in the sand today. And so we stopped borrowing money. That was thing one. And then after that, we just started walking through uh, the series of baby steps that we teach here um, at Ramsey Solutions. And for those of you who are not familiar with the baby steps, it's seven steps and it starts with baby step one. You got to get a thousand dollars saved. And you mentioned this earlier, John, most people, they don't have the save. They don't have savings. 56% of Americans don't, they could not cover a thousand dollar emergency. They would have to go to debt, credit cards, personal loan, and that's staggering. And so that's why baby step one is just get that thousand dollars saved. It puts that barrier between you and whatever could happen in life. It's not intended to be the be all end all. It's just a temporary solve while you can get a couple of things else in place. And then later on, you get to build that savings up. But so for us, it was get out of debt, get a thousand dollars saved. And then a part of that um, was we started getting, we had to get on a budget. And that's, you know, if you can start those three things already, you're doing so much good for yourself because <laughs> the budget tells all. I've heard you say in the past, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but a budget does not confine my money. It defines my money. That's right. Tell me yes. what that means. Because by the uh, way, I know my listeners and I love you all. Yes. Nobody likes a budget. In fact, we, yeah. most of my friends just turned the station right there. So for the three <laughs> who are still listening, tell me what that means when I say a budget does not confine your money, it defines your money. Well, let me start with where that came from, because what you said is absolutely true. Most people hear the word budget and they go running. Uh, when I was a kid, the budget was the start of an argument. You know what I mean? The budget was the reason we, it felt like the budget was the reason that we said no to everything. I learned though, as I got older, like, hey, that's not the budget. That's just somebody's personality. <laughs> like that's, that's a personality flaw. That's not the budget. That's not the way a budget is intended to be. And so right. for me, I specifically had to re reword that and reframe that in my mind so that it became a positive thing. Like, hey, Jade, this is not confining you as it, it felt when you were growing up. This is something that it's your definition. You get to choose how it goes. Custom organization for your money. You make the choices here. And I think that when you frame it up like that, it's like, oh, okay, it's not somebody else telling me what to do. It's not something that's supposed to keep me chained up. It's something that I get to decide. It's based on the things that I value. It's based on my goals, right? Because I say all the time, your budget, it's just a roadmap to your goals. So you decide your goals. If you say, you know what, I'd like to save more money, then the budget is what leads you to be able to do that. If you say, I'd like to pay off my debt, the budget, the way you the way you craft those numbers in will allow you to do that. So it's something that you have control of as opposed to something that is controlling you. Mm. So I'm just going to throw out a couple numbers and then we're going to pivot away from the numbers for a little bit. But sure. you and your husband were collectively cranking out about $30,000 a year in net family earnings. And you had $460,000 in debt. So yeah. just the math, this just doesn't work. 
No. And seven and a half years later, you show up at Dave Ramsey's studio and you do the debt cry, this holler where you are free of your debt. So in seven and a half years, you go from this upside down young couple, madly in love, but confused as all get out into this mature, responsible, liberated young family, free to decide what you want to do next. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the thing is, I always say it's it's about progress. You have to progress slowly and slowly more and more over time. And you know, that first year we were making 30,000 and the next year we were making 40. And after that, it was 60. And after that, it was, you know, 85. And after that, it was 100. You have to keep pushing forward. It's not just this microwave oven thing. And I think that that's the thing that people have to be aware of is, you know, when you're going on a journey, you just put one foot in front of the other and you just keep, you have to be determined to keep going forward. And before you know it, you will look back and go, holy crap. Like, I can't believe how far we've come. And that's what I tell people. It's like, you just got to stay focused on the journey in front of you and go step by step. That's how this thing works. So some people are saying to themselves right now, she did, but I can't. For this reason, that reason, or a million other reasons, I, I can't really change either income or spending to the degree that apparently you and your husband did. Sure, you can. Sure, you can. Give, do me a favor, give them a couple things that you all did on the expense side of things. Cause we just, you know, we always do this and that and that, and it's just part of our habits and it's, it's yeah. who we are. And I could never do without that. What were yeah. some things that you did without during the course of seven and a half years that ultimately? you were able to return to liberated. Yeah. You know, John, when I hear that, I I say, I get kind of, I get a little ornery on that because I'm like, so much is possible. You know, we, we set up reasons inside of our own head and in the moment, they're good reasons, right? We're like, well, I can't do it because of this, or I can't do it because of that. I have this thing, like good reasons after a while become bad excuses. I feel like a lot of people, they, they'll go to a certain extent and then their brain kind of stops with what more you can do. And, you know, my husband, when it came to our debt, my husband and I, we were just willing to do whatever it took. So, you know, there at one point we sold the furniture in our house, right? And I remember our friends thinking we were crazy because we would sit on the stairs to eat dinner, but we wanted access to that money to pay off debt. And I remember sleeping on an air mattress for five years. And I remember you know, going to the grocery store with $60 and I would buy whatever was on sale, even if it made no sense in the cart. (laughs) And then I would go home and try to figure out how I could make something delicious with, you know, water chestnuts and, and, (laughs) you know, arugula, like whatever it was that I bought. Right. I just think that you've got to give yourself credit. if, If I could tell folks one thing, it's like, man, give yourself credit. You're so powerful. You have so much power inside of you and you have the ability to endure so much more than you ever thought. And you have the ability to accomplish more than you ever dreamed. And I'm saying that as that's the way I feel because I was just Jade, right? I was just Jade with a problem and I was able to solve that problem by digging deep. And now I look back on that and I go, oh my gosh, like it felt insurmountable. But again, it's just drilling down and going, okay, what can I do today? That's a little bit more than what I did yesterday. What can I do today? You know, and and that's what it boils down to and constantly telling yourself, hey, this is temporary. There is an end in sight. There's a, there's a finish line. This is a temporary, this is a short-term sacrifice for a long-term goal. And as long as you can keep that 
in front of you and have just a very clear picture of why you're doing this, you can do, man, you will blow your mind at what you can accomplish. Tell me how you celebrate the milestones in life when you're committed to not spending money. So if you have a birthday, you have an anniversary, you, mm-hmm. you find out you're cancer free, you, you're going through a million things, your niece is yeah. turning 11. How do you, when you are committed to not going back into debt or you're committed to finally getting out of it, how do you also celebrate things in life that matter to you and others? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that you start to realize that connection with people is so much more important than giving somebody something. You know, in our culture, when we think about um, entertainment, when we think about celebration, we're always thinking about what we can spend money to go do or what we can spend money to go eat or what we can spend money to go buy. And I get it. I mean, I, that's the culture we all came up in and those were habits that I had to break. You know, I remember Christmas um, having conversations with extended family that were something like this. Hey, this year we're not buying people Christmas presents because we don't have the money to do that. And our goal is to get out of debt so that one day we can celebrate this in a way that we're all going to enjoy. And those were tough conversations to have. But here's the thing. What really is the best part of Christmas, right? You're sitting at the table. You're having this great meal. Everybody's prepared something. You're having these conversations. You're watching nieces and nephews and kids play with the toys that they got. That's right. The part that you enjoy, you know, what's the best part of the birthday for me is, you know, you don't have to go somewhere and buy some expensive cake, but if grandma made the cake, right. And that's the, that's the fun part blowing up, you know, blowing out the candles, everybody's sitting around having cake, you know, your dad's barbecue and some burgers. Like that's the fun part. It doesn't always have to be this big extravagant thing. When my mom was cancer-free, it was like, Hey, let's go. And everybody came to the house and we celebrated like that. And so I think just reframing our brains to understand that celebration doesn't have to be consumerism. Mm. Celebration doesn't have to be, you know, cash spent. It, it can really be um, something that's way more connective, which is being with the people that you love in a way that's it's quality time. You mentioned earlier that your friends thought you were weird. they they come on over you know they they bring the the six pack of beer knock on the door and they don't know where to put the beer because the fridge is gone (laughs) and and they're afraid they're next you know so how do you how do you handle the judgments of your friends when so much of friendship seemingly is based upon doing things together where you spend money and now you guys you're so counter-cultural during that season like how do you handle the way your family friends neighbors probably look down upon you I think it'll tell you a lot about the people around you, won't it? You know, and if if those are the folks that you want to spend your time around. For Sam and I, it's funny. We weren't intentionally trying to keep what we were doing a secret, but at the same time, we weren't shouting it from the rooftops. It was kind of just, this is the thing that's part of our life and we're doing it. And people did start to notice um, organically, mostly because like you said, they'd come to the house, the house is empty. Why, why don't you have any furniture? Oh, we're trying to pay off debt, you know, or, Hey, do you guys want to go with us? No, it's not in the budget tonight. You know, they would hear us speaking like that. And at first it was kind of like, wait, what did you say? You're not going to go out to dinner with us because it's not on the budget. Like, what are you saying? And then it kind of, you know, it it opened up the conversation. Well, yeah, we've got this debt. We're trying to pay it off. And it was kind of like, Oh, like a little bit of a head scratcher, but Oh, okay. That that's cool. And then it ended up being kind of like a 
a sentence that they answered for us. Jane and Sam, do you guys want to go out? I know you've got to check the budget first, you know, and it was kind of like they knew it was coming. And then it became this thing of like, oh, Jade, you've got to meet my friends. They're trying to pay off debt too. You can tell them how to do a budget. And so yeah. this, this respect Mobile. for yes. what we're doing, it, it grows. And I know for my friends, they were supportive. You know, they were supportive about it. Uh, you have to give people a chance to get their mind around it. I mean, A1, they might not be like, oh, great, that's the best thing ever. But give them a moment to get their brain around it. And then it's like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll support you. We may not do it, but we'll support you. But it's actually funny how many of our friends um, started making changes in their financial life because of what we were doing. So that's, I always think we, we go viral in every room we walk into. Like we, 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 we just help things change depending on how we walk into a room. And for you and your husband to be walking in differently than everybody else, you, you went viral too went viral, not only with your family and friends, but eventually you went viral with a buddy of mine down in Nashville. One of the biggest radio podcasts, social media authors, you name the thing out there, Dave Ramsey's got it. How did Dave hear about you? Oh, how did Dave hear about me? That's a good question. I had followed Ramsey forever. Obviously following those techniques is what helped Sam and I get out of debt. In 2020, everything went haywire, as we all know. And uh, at the time, uh, my career was in entertainment. My husband and I own a talent agency and also were performers. And so all of what we did was directly related to live entertainment. When all of that closed down, we had a lot of time on our hands. And so we were already you know, coordinators of Financial Peace University, which is a, a resource that Ramsey Solutions offers to help people learn about money, learn about how to get out of debt, all of those things. So we were already facilitators of those classes. We were finishing up a Financial Peace University class. Sam was checking his email because you know, you're corresponding every day with those emails. He had gotten an email that said, hey, Ramsey Solutions is hiring for personalities. He told me that. He goes, Jade, Ramsey Solutions is hiring for personalities. Is that something you'd ever be interested in? And it's funny because I had said to myself before, I'd said, you know, I don't know if I could work for anybody, but if I did, it'd probably be Dave Ramsey. <laughs> and so I, you know, together we decided, hey, let's, let's look into this. And so I applied and the rest is history. It was about a two-year process, just getting to know everybody. Yeah. And I had you know, several, several cigars with, with Dave and the team, just discussing like what this could look like several meals. And it just, it was the right fit and it, and it worked out. He's an icon. And yeah. I, I recognize some of our listeners don't know Dave. You can check out Dave on our podcast we did with him years ago, or you can check out Dave by Googling the name Dave or going to Financial Peace University and having your life changed for good. But, but Dave, I love him, but he's intimidating. When we're <laughs> at dinner together, I'm intimidated. When we're on the radio show together, like I, I'm, and I'm not easily intimidated. I'm just, I recognize this man cast a shadow because he he's just so big. You know, he's just yeah. a bright light. You sit on the on on the stage next to him, and you're on the microphone next to him, and you're on the air next to him. I realize that's becoming more comfortable for you as you do it more frequently. But the first few times you do that, what, what's that pressure like on you? So the first night I I sat with with Dave and a couple of the team members here, and I remember thinking to myself, hey, 
just don't say anything. <laughs> just, just be quiet and, and let them talk. And if they ask you questions, answer them. But it's like that old thing that your, your grandma used to say, you know, don't, don't speak unless spoken to, you know? And I kind of was like, okay, Jade, talk long, talk wrong. Don't say a whole bunch. Just listen to what he's saying and you'll get through this just fine. And like, I'm there and I'm like squeezing my fists because I'm like, okay, Jade, just don't mess this up. That's what I kept thinking the whole time. And then about midway through it, I was like, well, well, that's dumb. You've got to open up and you've got to be willing to, you know, show who you are and you've got to be willing to make mistakes. And so I remember he says, so you're a money expert, huh? <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm not a money expert. I said, but I will be if I work here. That's kind of how the the rest of the evening kind of just could breathe a little bit because I'm like, hey, I'm not putting on airs. I, I'm just a normal person who used your program, you yes. know, to, to pay off this debt. I know I can tell you about what you teach. If you ask me, am I an expert? No, you know, I'm always learning. I have plenty to learn, uh, but I'm willing to learn. And that's the way that goes. And so I think with Dave, he's the most, one of the most authentic people I've ever met. And as long as you're authentic right back. It'll that's be right. Well said, really, really well said. I, I love listening to you. And I know you, you and I both have a little bit of a cold. So our voices both sound a little, it sounds like we both had cigars last night. I know. And I didn't, I promise. It's just and I did not either. Tennessee. I hate them. Allergies. Don't tell Ramsey, but I, I, I hate cigars. So I'm moving on. <laughs> Your voice always sounds joyful and measured when you're on. And it, that's really, it's a beautiful trend. Oh, well, thank you. Except one time you and Ken Coleman, who's another one of our buddies, you were on the radio responding to some extremely rude letters that Ramsey had received regarding you being on air. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not bringing this up to get you. I'm actually bringing it up to encourage you to be bold. Uh, when you get criticism, in particular, when it's unfair, uh -huh. you respond to it. If I'm completely honest, on the one hand, I'm like, this guy can go fly a kite. Like I could care less. On the other hand, I think about um, what Gary Vee says about criticism and haters, and it's so sad. Like, I kind of start to feel bad for people who are mean just for mean sake, you know, and they're, they're kind of that internet troll and they're going on there and they're just looking for ugly things. I think, oh man, there must be so much missing in your life that you're, yeah. that this is what you're doing at three o'clock on a Wednesday. And immediately that kind of irritation that's like, oh, go fly kite. It's kind of taken over with a little bit more compassion. That's like, oh, that's sad. Like, uh, you know, you need connection in your life. Like you need some meaning to, <laughs> so that you're not so focused on what Jade Warshaw is doing on it at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. So honestly, that's what it is. You can't put a whole lot of stock in it. I mean, you can't. When I go home at night, I'm not thinking about the negative comments on YouTube because I'm sure there's plenty of them. I mean- you can't be for everybody. Here's the thing here. And here's the other thing about that, John. Look at a guy like Dave. People either love the guy or they can't stand him. And to me, that's how you know you're doing something right. I don't want to be lukewarm in the middle here. I want people to know, okay, Jade, she's going to tell it the truth. She's going to be 100% yeah. with me. And some people don't like that. And that's fine. Mm. You can go fly a guy. <laughs> I, as a as a speaker and as an author, I used to try to get everybody. That's a losing battle. Man, it you know, is. You, you want to lead with truth and love and grace, but you want to certainly be authentic in it. That's right. And you, Jade, you do that well. For our listeners right now who might be struggling financially or with a dream or in a relationship or 
professionally or in a million aspects of life, including the fact that every headline they ever read is negative. Oh man. What what would you say to them? Just someone who's going through life and they're just a little bit beat down right now, close to burned out. Well, I always tell folks not to grow weary in well-doing, not to grow weary in doing what is right, not to grow weary in doing what is good, because at the right time, you reap a harvest if you don't faint or if you don't give up. And sometimes the way the world is, I mean, it's just, like you said, it's beating you down and it's like, it's everything you've got to put one foot in front of the other. But if you know there's a reward on the other side, it gives you that push to keep going. One of the questions I get all the time is, Jade, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know I should be doing this. I know I should be doing that. But for some reason, I'm just, I'm just not doing it. Like my habits aren't aligning with what I want to do and where I yeah. want to go. And I get that. And to those folks who feel like, man, I'm just, I'm just, I just don't feel like I can accomplish it. I always tell folks to check out what they believe and what their true beliefs are, because at the end of the day, we behave the way we believe. And if for some reason you're like, I just can't seem to get on track. I just can't seem to check out your beliefs because somewhere, somewhere in there, maybe you don't think that you really can do it. Maybe you don't think, you know, on a money side, maybe you don't really think budgeting can work for you. Maybe you don't think that it is possible for someone to be debt-free. There's some piece of belief in there um, that's, that's, that's not quite lined up. And so I always challenge people, check out what you believe. And if you find, okay, like here it is, if I'm honest with myself, I don't think that I can do it, or I don't think that that is the solution. Then I always encourage people, you know, the way that you change your beliefs is by changing what you put in it, you know, change what you put in your mind, change who you listen to, change who you talk to, change what you're looking at. And if you start to flood yourself with the things that are promoting who you want to be, where you want to go, your belief will start to follow it. And before you know it, you'll be, you'll be unstuck and you'll be Mm. able to get yourself where you want to go. So keep listening to podcasts like this, that give you that positive reinforcement with where you want to do and where you want to go. So this is the public service announcement brought to you by Jade and John. And here we go. This is your encouragement today to not watch cable news tonight. Don't be (laughs) fooled by those fools, please. They are selling you detergent. That is their one job. They are not tracking what's really taking place globally. They are tracking how many people are watching. The way they do that is to talk about the evil. Uh, (laughs) That doesn't redeem it. So uh, you get me fired up, Jade, because that's exactly right. What you put into your mind influences your performance. What you put into your head influences your beliefs. Mm -hmm. Choose differently if it's not working for you. So my friend, you have chosen differently this young lady who stepped into a marriage and ultimately ended up with almost a half million dollars of debt is not only debt-free, you are on top of the world and you're bringing people up with you. It's an awesome story. We got seven questions that tether all of our guests together. The very first one is, what has been the best book that you've ever read? So maybe the best book or the most impactful book, Jade, you've ever read? The B-I-B-L-E, Bible. Bible, it's the game plan for life. If you don't know how to do it, look in the Bible. (laughs) If you need answers, look in the Bible. You need encouragement, look in the Bible. It's the best book there was. There's a a lot of mini books inside that large book. Is there a favorite book for you specifically? I'd probably say James, because he talks about counting it all joy when you face, Mm. you know, 
trials of every kind, because those are the things that make you strong and make, they, they turn you into who you need to be. I know for me, you know, you go through hard times. I'm sure you can relate to this as well. You go through some really hard times, but they make you into who you are today. And so that's super important. The, the word pure joy. Pure joy. I, the, the verse I almost always write down when someone says, hey, will you sign this book for me? Sure. James one, two through four. Come pure on. joy, man. Uh, what's one positive characteristic or one trait that you possessed as a little girl growing up that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? I think when you're a kid, you're not nearly as aware of being silly, of being embarrassed, of somebody uh, interpreting you the wrong way. You don't really think about that at all. And I think that as we get older, we become more concerned with those things. Mm. And so I would say in that way, I would definitely want to be a little bit more childlike. Let's go with that. I love it. If, you're, <laughs> if your home caught fire and all living things are out, but you have an opportunity of running back in and grabbing one item, one physical thing that matters to you, what would you grab? I'm probably already wearing my wedding rings. <laughs> all my photos of my kids are in the cloud. My kids are safe. I'm thinking what my mind is going to right now, I'll be honest, from the beginning, what my mind went to is I have some handwritten recipes that my grandma wrote. And I'm thinking about that. Um, and the weird thing is, uh, it's weird that that comes to mind because I don't even use those recipes. Yeah. They're just, I like that they're in her handwriting. Mm. Um, and they mean some, they mean a lot to me, even though I don't, the recipes are horrible. But let's be honest about that. They're ter they're bad, like 1960s recipes. When you said that, my mind saw her handwriting. So I think that's, that's what awesome. I would go with. And you think about the world that woman was living in while she was writing yeah. those recipes down and cooking those recipes out and the family that she was raising and the hope yeah. that she had. That's a worthy thing to run in and save. If you could sit on a park bench and have an awesome conversation with anybody living or deceased, who would you like to be seated next to? I would, I'm, I'm looking outward and I'm looking inward. So like celebrity type person, something like that. I probably want to talk to Prince. I've always wanted to meet Prince. He's my favorite artist. Awesome. Um, I would say that. And if I had a little bit more time, you know, it, it's a toss up between my grandma and my grandpa. It's, it's like, I, I almost can't choose which one. I think that'd be. Well, you know, I think there's room for, we'll, we'll put three on the we bench. We can put them as one. Prince sit cross-legged playing the guitar, man. He'll sing Purple Rain while Grandpa and yes. Grandpa is talking to you. <laughs> That's right. I would be like, guys, so what is heaven like? <laughs> like, <God>. tell me. <laughs> What's the best advice that Prince, Grandma, Grandpa, or anybody else ever gave you? So the best advice you've ever received is? Prince, the artist, he always said, you know, like, have the internet, but don't let the internet have you. So it's like, I think that's an important play on social media and how we view technology, right. how we view things today. And I think that's something to keep in mind, which is making sure that the, the great things in life and the things that in life that, you know, have the ability to help you or move you forward, those are good things to participate in, but yeah. make sure you have them and they don't have you. And I think that's always a good posture to keep in place, especially in the world today, when it comes to money, when it comes to technology, all that stuff that has the ability to, to buy, buy for the wrong position in our heart. If you could go back in time and give yourself some wisdom at age 20, what would you like to tell yourself at age 20? 
Man, John, these are deep questions. This I know, is good. We're, we're, I told you we're having a, it's a deep coffee. Today. It is. It we're is. This finished. is a it's dark like roast. All right. Let's see. There's a couple of things. Um, I always say my two, I have a couple of regrets in life and they're not very big, but they're mine. I probably would have played sports for, an, for another year. Age 20 was the year that I stepped away from volleyball. And I, I regret that. I wish I had played the final two years. Mm. And so I would have told myself, hey, what you're afraid of is not going to happen. You need to go ahead and keep playing. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Final question. You made it. Take that last sip of coffee. It has been said, Jade, that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. Jade Warshaw, how would you like your one sentence to read? Redeemed. That was an easy one. I thought it was going to be hard. That's the easy one. Redeemed, man. Look, we are people that are in need of redemption in more ways than one. And uh, my financial situation was in massive need of redemption. Uh, the way I knew and understood relationships was in need of massive redemption. Just me as a sinful person who needs something higher and something better, massive need of redemption. And I've been able to find that in life. Um, through Christ, I've been able to find that in life through my relationships with my husband and my family. And I've definitely been able to find that in life um, through Ramsey Solutions and them helping me get a hold of our financial situation. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Jade Warshop, our quickest answer ever at number seven and also our shortest. Redeemed. <laughs> I, I want to thank you for being redeemed. I want to thank you for going all the way down into the pit financially and then deciding you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of figuring it out, of leaning into others for help, of taking the next right step forward and now teaching the rest of us how we can do likewise. What, what, an, what a mighty worthy story. Thank you for being redeemed. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was great. Jade, where can people learn more about who you are and where they can learn more about your journey? Yeah, come on and find me on Instagram. I'm there all the time. It's just my name, Jade Warshaw. And uh, we, we talk about all of it, John. We, we get deep on the stuff, just like we did today. <laughs> well, I look forward to doing it with you. So my friends, that is Jade Warshaw. My name is John O'Leary. And today is our day. What a gift it is. Live inspired. Well, my friends, one of my favorite things that Jade shared during our conversation was that celebration does not necessarily mean consumerism. I know it breaks some of our hearts, but I'm going to say it again, celebrating life, celebrating accomplishments, celebrating achievements, celebrating anniversaries and birthdays and life doesn't necessarily mean consumerism. To mark momentous occasions, you don't need to buy expensive gifts. You don't need to splurge on outlandish experiences. As Jade shared, it's about having a homemade cake with the important people around that table, even if it's a cardboard table, to celebrate the gift of those relationships, the miracle of your life. It's a good reminder for all of us. And if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to take a deeper dive into financial peace, you hear that joy in Jade's voice and you want that in yours, why not step into an awesome conversation I had a couple of years back with my friend. His name is Dave Ramsey. You'll hear in that conversation on how he built his real estate business, how he became a millionaire in his early 20s, how successful he was by 26. It was awesome. He was literally on top of the world. 
and less than two years later was buried under the weight of it at age 28, bankrupt trying to figure out how to put food in the mouths of his babies. This was a difficult story for Dave to share, but it led him to clarity around what matters most financially, what it meant for him, and ultimately what it means for you. You're going to learn about successes and failures in faith, in marriage, in finance. You're going to be grateful for your day. You're going to be excited to take the next step forward in your journey. I recorded this one early in the Live Inspired podcast career, so you'll have to go way back in time and join me at episode number six. Just visit me online right now at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. And in our most recent episode with Jade Warshaw, we'll have a link to her work colleague. His name is Dave Ramsey. It's a fabulous conversation. I think you'll love it. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode as much as my team and I enjoyed bringing it to you, do me a big old favor. Subscribe if you haven't yet. Like and follow online if you haven't yet. And make sure you tell your friends you work with, you work out with, you worship with. That in a marketplace where there is plenty of negativity, cynicism, and bad news, you've turned off CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, and you lean into the Live Inspired podcast. That's where you get your news. It reminds you and me that life is imperfect, that we all face challenges, and the foundation is firm. People are still good. There is reason for hope, and the best is yet to come. Bring your friends alongside of you for the ride. We're we're excited to have them part of our podcast family. So family, friends, leaders for this time. And until next time, my name is John O'Leary. And today is your day. What a gift. Live inspired. At Kelly Companies, it is no secret that they believe in the power of people. In an effort to help their Keelians get to know each other a little bit better, they decided to launch the Who Do You Know campaign. The goal was simple. Keelians were encouraged to have a conversation with someone outside of their circle. That's it. These conversations, however, have brought people together and farthered their world-class culture. Shout out to the Keelians who have made an effort to have meaningful conversations with new friends. You can learn more about those conversations, about those amazing friends, by visiting them online at Keely Company.